Hello and welcome back to season two of the Smart Buildings Insider. I'm your host, Lewis Martin, and my focus here at Charlton Morris is leading a global talent solutions team that delivers bespoke solutions to the smart building community, collaborating with the most exciting technology startups, as well as some of the industry's key powerhouses across the globe. In today's episode, I'm joined by Don Goldstein, Chief Executive Officer, and Veronica Unakrishnan, Partner and SVP of Product Innovation, Strategic Partnerships and Marketing at 5Q. 5Q is a technology management company in all sectors of the commercial real estate. Myself and the 5Q team have an amazing relationship, so having them join me for an episode is a highlight for sure. Veronica and Don have decorated careers working for big corporations and now growth tech companies, so we dig deep into their career history and the importance of continued focus on securing OT assets of all kinds for real estate properties. If you're interested in cybersecurity like myself and the possibility of cyber attacks in buildings, look no further. So without further ado, here it is. I guess to to kick off then, uh, there may be individuals who are not aware as to what 5Q do and, and I guess uh, about your background. So um, we'll start with you, Veronica. Talk us through um, who you are and, and sort of where you're at with 5Q today. Thank you, Lewis. I am now an entrepreneur with 5Q. Uh, for the past 20 years, I had the opportunity to develop my career in Fortune 500 companies and also startups. Um, I was always involved in the planning and the delivery and solutioning of very complex implementations and deployments uh, in systems, operation. Um, and now the opportunity of focusing on growing this fantastic company. Uh, we are a company that is 100% in the market of commercial and corporate real estate. Um, and the decision was because the background, the founders and everybody that they have invited into the company, we're all passionate about that. Um, and within the past seven years, um, the organization started providing IT services, um, just the end user support and then a knock. Um, and now we have been growing so much and lately in three years, the focus on cybersecurity was just a big request from the current clients. And that's how the cyber division in 5Q emerged. And when that happened, they invited one of the best, uh, Mr. Don Goldstein over here. He was a former CIO and CISO of CBRE. Um, and he had the pleasure of uh, initiating this new business. And um, I have been working with him uh, at CBRE and that's how we met and he invited me over and it's one of the best decisions in my life. Yeah, so Lewis uh, and everyone listening, I'll just add a little bit to what Veronica said. <clears throat> the, the company has been in existence for eight years. Um, the initial founders of 5Q um, partners started the company uh, they were with uh, a real estate uh, company that um, and and supporting their IT. Um, that company broke up into smaller pieces, and they they would meet after college football games and talk about what they were going to do with their lives going forward. And that was considered the fifth quarter. That's where Five Q came from. Um, so they they decided to leverage their knowledge of the industry and of IT and start this company as a managed service provider 
um, for this industry. And like Veronica said, around 2018, um, the 5Q partners um, invited me to Atlanta to meet with them. They're a Georgia-based company. Um, I'm in Dallas, Veronica's in Dallas. And uh, they, they realized their clients were asking for cyber services and they really didn't have anyone that could run that. And I was very excited to, to kind of leave the corporate world behind after many, many years and um, become an entrepreneur at, at this stage of my life and my career with the idea that I, I, I've gotten so much from this industry over the 20 years I've been working in it that I felt this is an opportunity for me to give back in a bigger way across many firms, um, especially on the cybersecurity landscape that has just become more and more, as we'll talk about, um, of, of, of an issue uh, that I, real estate was late to discover and understand, but I think that's finally starting to happen. And we can talk about how that came to be, um, hopefully here on this podcast, but, but that's really the genesis of it. And that was almost four years ago. And um, we have just taken off since then with those services. And now I have the opportunity as CEO of 5Q to manage all of our service lines, including cyber. Yeah, and it's been great to, to watch 5Q grow from strength to strength and, and also grow from a, um, a national business to um, expanding across all parts of the globe. Um, what's it been like for such a big conglomerate on the owner side, uh, both held executive level positions at one of the largest organizations within the space to then move over to a startup. Like what, how's that been? How has the transition been since joining the business, both of you? Well, so from my side and, and really CBRE is, is, is the world's largest um, real estate services company. So while they, while they have a division that, that, um, is their investment management side? They they primarily provide services both to corporate uh, real estate on the facility management, project management side, and also to owners. Um, and and again, that's more property management. Yep. Uh, their advisory services, and obviously the largest brokerage company in the world, operating in um, pretty much all the countries around the world. In, around the globe, uh, in, in all the regions, and in the largest cities in the world. And so the first thing I had to do, um, going from uh, the corporate world, including CBRE, and I worked for other very large corporations before, and actually in the property casualty insurance industry before real estate, um, I had to think, I had to knock off a bunch of zeros and think um, much smaller. But what, what does translate well is the scaling part. In other words, uh, I, I could see where I could vision with Veronica and the team where we could take this small company kind of in somewhat of a startup mode, but really more in the scaling stage than the growth stage at this point um, and take it to the next level and understand how to apply those best practices for scaling a company, um, even to a smaller firm. And uh, I think one of the things that, that differentiates us and allows us to be successful 
is it isn't only myself and Veronica, but the rest of our team has deep, deep knowledge in this space, in this industry. And, and I'm not talking so much from a technical perspective, because we do understand the IT side. We are going to talk, I'm sure, about the operational technology, OT, smart building side, but also the business side. We, we're, we're always looking at taking what we understand from a technical perspective and putting those things in business terms that our clients will understand. And, and again, if, if the managed service providers that operate across industries don't necessarily understand specifically how this part of the industry works, and we do, um, and, and that's very helpful to the discussions we have with our clients because we speak the same language. In my case, Luis, to me, it just was a magnificent opportunity to really initiate and grow a culture. Um, when you are already in a corporate, um, there's already establishment of rules and guidelines and behaviors that exist. Um, and by being here in a company that has been evolving and developing, um, there have been amazing values already established and what we have been doing is now exponentially extracting that and making them real and active. So um, for me, the opportunity was that those situations where I was wishing that we would do things a little bit different in the corporation, I actually now have the ability to enable and to actually share and to apply. Uh, different aspects of, of those beliefs. So um, for many years, because I am a mother um, that worked also in, in, in a professional space, I always thought, man, it would be really, really cool that I had the opportunity to divide my time between the professional environment and then also being a mother. And the time that my son would be in school, I would have loved to actually apply and focus during that time. And then during the time that he was coming back, then I would have my mom time. Well, at that time, there was nobody in the business that would allow me to do that. It was all about either you, you work and you become a full-time person over here. Um, and so I had to do a lot of sacrifices and I had to, figure out how my, you know, balance between being a mom and a professional was. When I, when I was here with, with 5Q, that was something that we talked about and, and the partners actually listened and, um, and they were very, very happy to, to share that the opportunities for women here in 5Q should be also equal in the sense of giving the opportunity towards what the capability is and the timing that it is. And so uh, we were able to establish time for moms, mm -hmm. right, that needed a little bit of flexible timing um, and flexible hours. And, and that's part of our DNA. So um, our, our culture is one that we are really embracing what diversity and inclusion means with action. 
and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the short answer is, is that the culture at 5Q is just amazing. Um, and I'm not saying that as a plug. I had the, the, the great benefit of seeing it um, with my own eyes and, and spending some time with you and, and also um, some other individuals at 5Q at Realcom. Um, so credit to, to both of you and, and also to individuals like Wade who started it and, and continues to, to mold the culture. And um, it's, it's nice whether you're working with the individuals or not, just to be having conversations with organizations like 5Q or there's others that we've spoken to in the past where they are doing something different. It is progressive, not, not let's, let's push technology to one side and, and we'll get into that. But in terms of the culture side of things where um, it's, it's not just status quo, let's break away from that. Um, like the policies that you've just mentioned, why, why is every organization not looking to do that? Um, I mean, one, because it's, one, it would benefit their own employees um, so, so much. And then two, talent, like we're, we're going into a recession, but there's still a need for talent and things like this just make a massive difference, especially from my standpoint, spending so much time having to, to consult organizations to do this. Um, so credit to you guys. And I, I think before we touch on cybersecurity and, and focus on OTIT, the, the issues around cyber attacks, um, Realcom, uh, again, um, <laughs> they'll probably be a, a bit of a running theme during this podcast, but um, you both ha were front and center at Realcom. Do you want to talk us through your experience over there? Well, sure. So I, <clears throat> I guess I'll start with this. I, I've been involved with Realcom pretty much since the beginning, which was over 20 years ago. Um, and I've watched it evolve over the years. And uh, I was in kind of a unique position with a large company that I was able to help influence um, over the years how Realcom would evolve. Um, so early on, <clears throat> uh, I, I, I really pushed hard on a couple of things. The, the two of note, um, one was when I, when I was initially going to Realcom, I saw property owners, um, I saw property managers, what I didn't see were uh, were many of the corporate real estate people, and every every Fortune 500 company owns and occupies space, um, and some some companies own and occupy lots and lots of space, and there's a whole industry around uh, corporate real estate, corporate real estate outsourcing, um, facility management, etc., and so. Um, I, I helped them organize what is now Cortec, which is the corporate side. So they have the Realcom IBCon, Intelligent Building Conference, um, in, in the June timeframe. And in the fall, they have the, Cornet, the Cortec, which is the corporate side. Um, a couple of years later, I, I said, you know, the cyber piece, when I became CISO and moved from CIO to CISO, I was, I was a couple of us. Um, got with uh, the Realcom leadership and said, we start. We need to start paying attention to cybersecurity. So we kind of uh, started stealth mode there, but now it's six, seven years later, and that's become a mainstay of Realcom. 
And as one of the platinum sponsors of Realcom, you know, it is the for us um, the industry leading conference that we're part of, where we meet all of our current and future um, clients. And Veronica, as she'll explain, is a big part of making that happen for us. But um, I still stay deeply involved with with the Realcom folks. Um, I've known the folks that are there for many years. We've formed friendships and relationships. It goes beyond just technology and and connecting on a on a client um, provider basis. It's it's really some of the some of the best friends I have just on a personal level level I've, I've developed over the years at Realcom, and uh, I'm really I'm really proud and excited about that because they're they're just a bunch of really great people who care a lot about this industry and making it better. And, and really for us, Luis, as you notice, it's about community. Um, it is about um, the connection and what can we do together. Um, it is about thinking and understanding what the challenges that um, the, the, the clients are really facing and for us to start ideating ideas that will solve for them. And it's not only about us, it's about the collaboration between a lot of organizations that attend. And for example, we were so fortunate to invite you over. Um, <laughs> you did not know anything about Realcom. We started talking because of business and growth globally. And then we introduced you to it and um, you saw it now firsthand. Um, and we are very excited to be part of those groups that now can say, hey, you know what, we are doing something better together and we are part of that, right? So um, we, we're excited. We're very, very happy. And, and Realcom has really been very, very good to us. Well, I can vouch for that as well. Um, and again, thank you both um, for even making me aware of Realcom. Um, and I think the, the, the key issue with Realcom um, or um, that the main uh, point of Realcom that I gathered is, is community. It's, it's about information sharing. It's about being open. It's about really trying to push the industry forward, which, um, I mean, I've only been in it for six years, but so many people tell me that it's a really slow moving industry and um, we need to share information and we need to, to continue to build the community, sort of like a, a good culture in a way. Um, so, so yeah, I guess to, um, to touch on the, the topic then, so cybersecurity and, um, you both have been very fortunate to, to have worked in this space, uh, both on the startup and, and also on the conglomerate side now. So, um, some really good exposure, which I'm looking forward to, uh, to picking on today in terms of the importance of continued focus on securing OT assets and, whether that's retail, commercial, corporate, all kinds of real estate properties. Um, I think it's probably important to start with, like, how did we get here in terms of cybersecurity issues? Talk us through that. Really, uh, uh, it, it's nothing new in terms of uh, the, the threats that the industry faces. In, on the corporate side, um, for the uh, the property owners, the operators, um, 
it, it's been there along with, you know, every other industry, the same issues, the same security awareness, the same um, kind of social engineering uh, that takes place everywhere. It takes place in this industry. What's different here is really more, I would say, on the critical infrastructure, which I would consider buildings that people occupy, whether it's office, whether it's hospitality, whether it's multifamily, whether it's retail, um, the, the building systems uh, are, are part of our critical infrastructure because people live, visit, and work in a building. <laughs> um, now, before the pandemic, maybe it was a lot more prevalent than it is today, but, uh, it, but people still live in multifamily residences. People still go to retail for shopping, and people are slowly trickling back into, into offices, um, even if it's not 100%. So, what, is ha what has really changed is the threat landscape has expanded in the industry. And I believe that's been driven by a number of factors. Number one, the bad guys um, have an ROI when it comes to cybersecurity. So they're going to look at, at, at industries where a lot of money goes through it. And this real estate industry has literally trillions of dollars going through it one way or another, right? acquiring properties, selling properties, paying rent, paying third parties, um, buying, you know, the whole supply chain, uh, third party supply chain in the industry is huge. Think about how much gets procured at properties um, to, to sustain those properties, right? Um, think of all the rent that's collected that runs through them. Think of transactions of, of trophy properties, right? So um, that was picked up on. That's number one. Number two, as you know, um, the whole prop tech is, is, is a is a area of focus where billions of dollars are going through that every year. And so I would say six, seven years ago, I don't know, prop tech was, I don't even know that was a term. No, yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, but over, but all of a sudden in the last five years, people are picking up their heads and saying, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. There are a lot of digital platforms that are go, that are coming into play at the properties with, within this space. And so right now, I guess what I'd say is you've got to be thinking about cyber. And when we think about it at the corporate level, yes, servers and computers and laptops, they all change every couple of years, right? Building systems do not. They stay there 15, 20, even 30 years. They're there to stay. And that just means it's tougher to secure them, right? And, and when they are when they become objects of um, uh, uh, targets, right? In, in, in the um, cybersecurity community, again, that adds to that threat landscape. It's much wider now, right? And so now that that's become a thing, right? Now that people are waking up to the fact that, oh, you know, we never really paid attention to this before and we really have to start doing that, especially now that people are going back into offices, right? Then that just becomes um, 
more of a question of how we're going to approach this. And I would just say that the traditional IT groups in most companies aren't necessarily equipped to deal with that. And it's been something we've been talking about for a couple of years now of how, how do you bridge that IT to OT when they're talking about different protocols, different systems, different ways of securing them, different life cycles, right? Um, that to me is what's now come to the front of the conversation and why um, maybe not all of a sudden, but really only within the last couple of years, this has become a bigger part of the conversation that we're having and, and why that's really fueling um, our growth, frankly. So, so as, as Don was saying, Luis, um, the pandemic had some accelerators of where we were trending and heading towards, right? Um, and like Don said, there are OT and systems and IoT devices that one got introduced with the pandemic to make sure that there were healthy spaces for people to work with, uh, sensors to measure distances and different aspects that was great innovation. However, it also accelerated to the point that you are not know if it's secure or not, or if the implementation of such because of the rush was done to make it work but now it might have been opening some of the risks that before you didn't have, but that's part of the unknown and it's part of what companies had to do, right? To enable this. And then the other aspect is that now really people are looking for um, working remotely and how do you enable a workforce that it is at the property level, taking care of the property, taking care of the systems that are at the property and provide secure remote access to that, right? And so there are obviously solutions, but um, some of the solutions are not as safe and as secure as we would love to think. So now is about being resourceful and thoughtful and maximize the investment that already all these building owners and operators have at hand. And now, adding how can we secure with what we have? Because that's part of what we need to think about. Not everybody can go and uh, replace everything with the latest technology and make millions of dollars of investment. It's really about how can I maximize and prioritize? And that's, that's part of what we help them with. So um, yeah, we're, we're seeing all that uh, in the space now. Interesting. I think what would be good, Don, is um, for those not at the Cyber Forum at Realcom, um, you gave a fantastic tabletop demonstration about how cyber attacks even come to fruition. Um, and I found it very, very interesting. So could you give sort of like a, a shorter synopsis or summary as to how easy it would be for someone to hold you up? ransom from a cyber standpoint? Sure. And Lewis, this is something I, I really am passionate about, which is uh, having a very thorough and practiced incident response plan. That's the beginning. 
that everyone on the incident response team is aware of and knowledgeable about what their particular role is in the event of a breach or cyber event an incident because it isn't really a matter of if it's a matter of when that will occur there are many ways that we could approach this in terms of you can call it a tabletop exercise you can call it a simulation you can call it a review of your incident response plan everybody calls it something different but what it really is is developing that muscle of when the incident occurs and you have to drop everything and your technical team needs to start working on discovering what actually happened and trying to get things squared away so whatever's happened doesn't get worse and then there's a lot of steps after that but then even as important if not more important how does the business get engaged because how are you going to internally and externally communicate this how are you going to keep the business running so as we all know the vast majority of breaches start with something that's a social engineering event whether it's a business email compromise right or just a physical um compromise of someone being able to get into a building representing themselves as someone like a, a building engineer or a, a vendor and then getting access to rooms they shouldn't have access to um there are all kinds of ways that these things can happen but what is most disturbing about it is usually when there is that compromise often doesn't it does not go detect it does not get detected right away so once someone is in um and they take advantage of the vulnerabilities that exist on these systems because they all know what they are and most or a lot of these systems that front end uh, a building system aren't patched on a regular basis because they leave that to the vendor but the vendor doesn't come in and check these things and nobody's really held accountable the problem is once someone's in where do they go from there right how soon can you detect it how long does it take to figure out what the problem is and by the time you even know what's going on all of a sudden you get a ransomware message that says pay me x amount in bitcoin or i'm going to shut down these systems worse i'm going to i already have information off of some of your um more critical systems yeah. a lot of times this happens because it can either become public knowledge or the bad guys find out that there's some major transaction that's occurring because that happens all the time in this industry so they're going to take advantage of those times right when those transactions take place so the practicing of this event just helps companies understand what they have to do to get their arms wrapped around the issue um and hopefully they have some kind of protection um that they can recover they have to make a decision if it's a ransomware attack if they're going to pay the ransomware they have to know who the vendors are that they need to contact they have to know who um their outside counsel and their outside um 
corporate communications team is that needs to help them craft a message, whether it's again, internal or external. If they're a public company, you know, the SEC in the US and certainly these rules apply in other countries around the world where you have disclosure um, requirements, right? And those, those things are changing all the time. So do you understand what those data privacy requirements are in that country or in that state or in that locality? Do you understand what disclosure requirements you have? Do you bring in the authorities? When do you bring them in? Who brings them in, right? When, um, when the uh, media outlets find out and contact you, how are you going to respond? What is gonna be your message? Are you prepared? Or is it one of those, everybody's pointing fingers at each other and saying, ah, you take this, I'm not taking it, you take, who's in charge, right? Who's your breach commander? Who's running this? All of these things get to be part of that exercise. And what typically happens the first time you do it is you learn a lot about what you didn't know. And then you do it again and you get better. And then you do it a third time and you get even better. And even if the breach isn't exactly that thing, at least you have a process that you practice. Now, what we are also finding out is that an exercise like this is also a great tool for a technology executive to introduce the concept and the risk of cybersecurity in an organization to the board and to the business when the technology aspect, you can understand it, but when you try to explain to the business, it's, it's not as easy. And what happens with a simulation like this is that because cybersecurity has to be in the mind of everybody, this is not a technology concept. This is a business concept that we all need to be aware. That introduction of the awareness makes it more real when they take part also on the simulation of the event. And then it starts resonating more and more as of, oh, I play a part. Oh, my team has to be also be ready. Oh, what am I gonna do? Because now I'm also responsible and part of the solution. So what we have been finding is that this is a great way to have real conversations with the board and real conversations with the executive team about what cybersecurity might be as your vision, as your roadmap, as your strategy to secure your business. And I think with cybersecurity, having its own day at RealCom, we've, we've seen now that it's getting the awareness that it deserves or it needs. Um, like these individuals who hold you up ransom, they're, they're not joking. This is a serious matter. Um, and maybe now or throughout the, the, the podcast, um, people will, may think that this is just a, another thing to be worried about or it's scaremongering, but it's not because there are solutions available. Um, and some very good technology or solutions. So what are companies doing about the threat to their buildings and properties? They're doing a lot of things, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, first, thing is, first thing is, I think they're understanding uh, that uh, they're, first of all, it's, the first step is always recognition that there's a problem, 
<laughs> once that once that's that recognition that there's an issue and a problem, then you have to take the steps. It it's really starts with step one, knowing what you have in the building. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with building owners and property managers, and we've asked the question. So can you provide me with the inventory of everything you have in that building, um, including all the vendors who support it and all the network connections and how it's all set up? And then you get that deer in the headlights look of, um, I, I, we don't have that. So step one, know what you have. Then step two is how secure is what you have. Um, and there are ways to test that. And then number three is find all the gaps in what you have, what's working, what isn't working, what needs to be done, and then prioritize them. Because not everything, we, we kind of like to look at it as what has the highest impact but also what has the highest likelihood of happening. And it's though that intersection of high likelihood and high impact are the things you need to worry about immediately. Um, and, and there are ways to deal with that. And sometimes it isn't a big effort and sometimes it can be costly. So then it's a matter of, are you willing to make that investment to be more secure? And so, um, there are steps to do that. And then there are policies that need to be in place and, and followed at, at the property and at the corporate security level. Do you have a security um, program? Do you, do you educate people about that? Do they understand how, to, how they can uh, help you be more secure as a company? And it translates into their personal lives because everybody has those devices that they carry around and in their homes. So we, we generalize it and say, we're not telling you this just so you're better in your business security. You need to be better in your whole life <laughs> um, and understand what, what that means. And, and that can be eye-opening sometimes because they think, well, you know, why does, what does this have to do with me? And when you make it personal, all of a sudden it gets, it gets a lot more attention. And, and then once that you know what you have, and you remediate it to actually make it secure. What is important is the continuity because now you have done it for one time, but what you want to do is establish not only the program, but the monitoring to ensure that any new devices can be detected. Anything that is happening in your network, you don't have to physically inspect every time that you can actually do it in an informed manner with also integrated data that it's going to give you also information. And when you're talking about portfolios that are globally, you need that visual also of what's happening, right? So uh, the multiple solutions beyond physical and digitally inspecting and monitoring your data and your network is very important. Yeah, agreed. So when you break it down, um, how would you say companies are positioning themselves to deal with any kind of cyber threat when it comes to their critical infrastructure? So here, Lewis, is, is where we have um, 
a kind of not just industry, but cross-industry conundrum, I'll call it. Because as you well know, being the business you're in, there just aren't enough people to go around in cybersecurity and smart building knowledge to do the work, right? We, we know they're, they're, they're few and far between. And um, there are more people looking to hire them than people available to do the work, right? Um, and until that's addressed, that fight for talent is fierce. And you, you, as well as anyone, Lewis, know this, right? And your firm does. And so it really starts with make sure that whether it's your internal team or you're looking externally, that they have the knowledge and the capability to actually follow through on the issues you're facing. And that is really becomes a difficult step for a lot of companies because first of all, it's hard to find the talent. It's hard to retain the talent. It's hard to train the talent. And then um, when you look externally, it's hard even externally to find it that understands this industry, right? That understands not just how to secure IT networks, but how that translates into the OT. Yeah. Yeah. And just to jump in, I think it's it's difficult finding people with network experience, network infrastructure experience, but then you tie that into cyber. I mean, you're really, really limiting the talent pool there. So I, I completely get where you're coming from. Because unless you have the right people, you you may not you may think you're becoming more secure and you may think you have you're putting all the things in place that you need to have. But but as we know. There's no single product that does everything in this industry. It's still extremely bifurcated across multiple products. They all don't talk to each other. There's no single pane of glass in this industry that tells you every single piece of data you need to know to keep secure. It doesn't exist. So it's a patchwork of things, right? But it also is people. I, you can throw all the AI and all the machine learning at it, but there has to be someone with a brain looking at something to tie something together and say, oh, this thing I'm seeing over here correlates to this thing I'm seeing over there. And we find that because you know we, we, we have our own security operations center and we have great tools, but without the people looking at the tools and understanding what it's telling you, then you could still face a lot of issues. So uh, what I'm really saying, Lewis, in this, in this respect is it, it still does boil down to, do you have the right people? Um, it isn't a tool issue, right? It isn't a, a system or a process or a technology issue. It is a people issue. Do you have the right people? Do they understand what it takes to be secure and, 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 do you have enough of them? <laughs> because there just aren't enough to go around. And so you're going to have to find a way to do the best you can with what you have and what you can afford. That's an interesting topic. And I think what 5Q do, do so well is, is working on partnering with organizations across the real estate space as sort of like a third party. Why do you think 
5Q are successful and, and also it's important to consider third-party experts as partners when they're looking to even start the journey but then continue and battle against these attackers? So, Luis, um, we, we do not know it all and we do not have everybody associated with knowing everything with us. So one, it is very important to recognize where you need a complement of the skill set to what you're lacking. So that's the way that we invite partners like you, for example. Yep. We're wanting to go global. We need the talent. I don't have capability to go global. So I went and I talked to you, right? Now, the other way around happens too. Our clients are looking for complements of the skill set that they don't have. They're very good at their business, but they want somebody very good at the cybersecurity at the property level. And that's how we come in, right? Um, the scalability, we are a growing company. Just this quarter, we hired 25 people at the beginning of the year. Wow. Five years ago. The total amount of the company were 25 people. So just think about how incredibly we are growing, we're scaling, opportunities are coming. And so we need to also help ourselves with people that are good at what they do, like partners like you, right? So that this is just a win-win situation for everybody. There's enough work for everybody in this business, 100%. in this community. And it's really about leveraging each other's knowledge. That's basically what it is. And, and one, one thing I'll add, Louis, um, there's, there's a, in the, in, the, in the macro economy that we're in, my biggest fear is the companies are gonna start taking their eye off the ball. And, and, um, the hacker community, nation states, you know, commercial real estate had a soft underbelly. That's why it went unnoticed for a long time and is finally starting to recognize the yep. issue. But if we're hitting this, this kind of economic trough that we appear to be heading towards um, and companies start retrenching and they look at cybersecurity as just an expense or a <laughs> business obstacle and not an enabler, right? My concern is things could take a very bad turn in this industry where we've finally gotten so much traction. Um, and, and I am concerned about that. And, and I want you know to take this opportunity in this podcast to appeal to whoever's listening to think about the fact that, that cybersecurity actually is a business enabler. By being secure, you can do more business, better business, and have business integrity, attract more investment, and put your investors and your clients and your tenants at ease that you're secure and you have a good, strong operating platform than if you're going to have an event and that is going to reduce the trust or the reputation you have in the industry. So. I just want everyone to hear and listen to this and understand that um, now isn't the time to become complacent. This isn't the place to look in other directions and say, I'll deal with this later. 
Yeah, the, 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 this shouldn't be seen as a cost-cutting measure. We've seen it over the last three or four years, organisations in our space that have been caught out. Um, and it plays a detrimental impact, as you've mentioned, uh, um, not just to the brand, but to any potential future investment. Um, so even looking at the other top topics of like talent, bringing talent on board. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting and, and there's mixed reviews with whether we're in a recession, whether it's going to happen. I think it's it's almost inevitable at this stage. What would you suggest to anyone listening to this podcast if they've not started their cybersecurity journey? Like how do how do they start it? What's the first step in your eyes? Well, I so I think that most companies at least have started. So I want I want to kind of start there. It, <laughs> it, it's, it's very unlikely that you're going to find companies unless they're really small, you know, family-run businesses. Um, that that haven't at least noticed and started working on that because it, it it's just, it's too much in the news. Everybody knows about it. It's more how do you how do you once you start where do you go, and and I would say you know look around in this industry, you know, the, the realcom folks and and there is a part of realcom um, that spun off as a nonprofit called the Real Estate Cybersecurity Consortium led by Charles Myers. Yep who was a former uh, Wells Fargo um, person focused solely in this area. And um, some of the leading firms and, and advisory companies like us are part of this forum. It's growing and expanding. They're producing white papers. There is a place to go now um, for companies in this space to learn more about ways to become secure, right? And, and I'm not saying this as, as a 5Q marketing thing, because there are many others um, in this space like us who are part of that. And so there certainly are a number of firms that can be engaged to help people start on this journey or continue and evolve and mature in the journey. And, and I think the what's called loosely the REC, R-E-C-C, um, might even be the best place to start. For, for companies who just need to know where do I go next? Yep, information sharing, connections, yeah. Correct. Then the other thing that is going to be super important in the journey is to make it stick and the adoption, right? Because now your question and what you need to start thinking about is how within your employee experience, how within your client experience, you are ingraining the DNA of cybersecurity. Just as you have in the mindset of how do I make my company more productive, you need to start thinking about how can I make the experience for our people more thoughtful about cybersecurity. Okay, interesting. You mentioned it very nicely there, Veronica, in terms of 5Q, um, the, the growth over the last few years has been amazing to see from the outside and um i appreciate you probably can't and wouldn't want to share too much about the exact plans but um i'd love to get a, a bit of an overview as to what 2022 or the end of 2022 as as well as also looking into the new year what, what does that look like for 5q 2022 will be a record-breaking year for us we have been 
already during the beginning of the year, having records in the amount of business that we are conducting, the amount of industries that we are reaching towards, the magnitude of the portfolios that we are going with, the um, the, 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 the presence where the companies are, um, and our own clients are reaching out to us for additional services that we provide that they did not hire us for from the beginning. I don't have much to add to that because Veronica is, is, our, is our innovator partnership um, marketing arm. Um, she's, she has a great team uh, and you know, really everyone in the company um, contributes to, to helping um, with, with our business development effort, efforts. And, um, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at ways we can improve ourselves internally. Um, we're, we're building, you know, modern platforms to operate on um, that, you know, will serve us better going forward, enable us to scale um, than what, you know, we started with, which was, you know, a bit of a shoestring. Um, so we're really um, reinvesting a lot of resources into the company to improve our platform. Um, more automation, um, which will benefit our clients uh, because we'll we'll just be able to respond faster and get ahead of things instead of um, behind things. So it's been a transformation year for us this year, and next year will be even more transformative. And, and I just see the growth um, for us uh, continuing to spiral upwards. Well, Lewis, with your help. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to working with you in uh, in the near future um let's look to um to recap then or, or to conclude there um as you know as this is the uh the, the second attempt I, I like to leave it by asking uh, my guests um a question which um hopefully is a great takeaway to the audience and has been on the numerous podcasts we've already done and the question is what's the best piece of advice you've been given in your career Start with you, Veronica. The best advice I was given was be you. When you are at the table, you have a lot of value to share. Don't be shy. Share what your thoughts are because you never know what those might land. For me, it actually landed on a pattern. So you uh, might surprise yourself. The second bit of um, good advice for you, Veronica, was was perhaps joining 5Q2. <laughs> absolutely. And that came from Mr. Don Goldstein. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> little plug there for you, Don. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, that makes it easy for me. I can just say hire great people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But but really, it, 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 hiring great people is part of what I would call one thing. One thing that I learned um, from, from the mentors that I've had in my career is just staying focused right don't get don't get too excited about those shiny new objects right stay focused on on what works for you and your company that's why we're staying in the lane of commercial corporate real estate because there's plenty of opportunity here we don't need to get ourselves you know into other areas that aren't as familiar to us we can stay focused on this area for the long term and um having meaningful impact and uh that's that's kind of 
you know, my mantra of what I've learned and, and that just then forces me to hire great people that can operate um, and focus on this industry as well. People like Veronica and others on our leadership team, all the way down um, to the people who are in our client advocates that work um, on our client sites um, and go into properties. Um, and, and, and that is just part of creating a great culture. And Veronica is a big part of helping us create that culture. I couldn't agree more. Well, uh, it, it's been so good having you both on the podcast. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope the audience has too. So uh, thank you both once again. Thank you, Lewis. Our pleasure. Thank you, Lewis. So that was my chat with Don and Veronica from 5Q. I'd like to thank Veronica and Don again for their time and their insight into cybersecurity and how building owners can reduce the risk of cyber attacks in their buildings. I hope anyone who is interested in any of the points we discussed during the podcast has gained some valuable insight along the way. For plenty more chats with industry leaders and innovators within the smart building space across the globe, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform today. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Lewis Martin. Bye for now.